0: I think what most salespeople do is they put together this deck and they go through the slides and in their mind, it's like, okay, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say this, but they never physically rehearse it. And you know that voice inside your head, Steve, is always spot on. It's funny, it's compelling, it's relevant, it's interesting. But when you actually stand up and have to move around and articulate, um, it's a different voice inside of you. So I think probably the biggest and simplest mistake, you gotta rehearse. You actually physically have to rehearse your presentations.
1: Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I have Tim Wackel with us, and he's going to cover the anatomy of a lousy pitch. So we're we're going to try to take a fun look at some of the worst presentation habits and how you can identify and avoid them. Tim is the founder and president of the Wackel Group. It's a training and consulting firm based in Dallas, Texas. He's an expert business to business sales trainer, keynote speaker, and executive presentation coach. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be here. So... How in the world did someone like you become a presentation coach?
0: <laughs> so that that's a great story, Steve. Um, I started this practice uh, almost nineteen years ago, and I was doing you know exclusively b two b sales training. and um, after a couple of years, one of my uh, biggest clients, one of my favorite clients, came to me and said, "You know, Walker, we love the programs on prospecting, on objection handling, on discovery, on moving deals through the pipeline." We want something on presentation skills, and I said I, I don't have anything. Come on, you know, just figure it out. And they said, "Well, how about if we? How about if we would pay you some money? We'll put you on a retainer, and we would like for you to develop a presentation workshop." So that was really the beginning, Steve. As I was able to take uh, several months and just really dive into the research, uh, watch countless videos, read several books, and I was able to distill all of that information into what I believed and what my, what my customers believe is a real simple, straightforward six step process. And so ever since then, I've been doing a lot of work with presentations. Um, it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of rewarding and you know, I get to see thousands of these things a year, so
1: let's do it. Awesome. And what are the biggest mistakes you see salespeople make when preparing for a presentation?
0: So that's another good question. You know, the biggest mistake, Steve, is most salespeople have not used any kind of a process or any kind of a roadmap for organizing their content. So, uh, you know, when I'm coaching executives and salespeople before a big presentation, you know, we'll be going through the deck and it's like, well, why is this slide here? And it's like, well, my boss likes that. And, and what about this slide here? Well, that's from marketing. So what they do is they organize their deck uh, by just using slides. So you get this bastardized collection of ideas and then they get up in front of the client and and they choke um, and, and it's not that they're bad salespeople. It's just that it's like one, two, three, the color red and the smell of orange, right? It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And so not having a, a roadmap for really understanding how to create a presentation. At the end of the day, I tell people, look, create the presentation, design it in analog, deliver it in digital. Don't design it in digital. The, the first thing they do is turn on PowerPoint. That's the last thing you should do. What's your story? Let's figure out what your story is, and then we'll figure out the visual aids later.
1: That makes a ton of sense. I mean, if you don't have a narrative behind what you're trying to say and communicate in your presentation and sales, you just you, the the thread isn't there. It it it's, uh, doesn't come up, come across the same. And I've and I've seen a million presentations that are that are kind of jumping around all over the place.
0: Yeah, I mean, you sit there in the audience and you think to yourself, there's a pony in there somewhere, but I don't know where the pony is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get, when you when you start to build a narrative and make a presentation, as you start trying to figure out how to tell your story, what, what are the steps that you take to do that if you're just starting from scratch?
0: So, um, the six, that that's, I'll just walk you through the six steps. It's not like this was given to me on a mountaintop. The, the way we encourage people to go about attacking a presentation, step number one, Steve, is you got to know your audience. And and this ends up being kind of a challenge because oftentimes uh, reps are asked to come make a presentation and they're eager. It's like, oh, man, I'd love to do this. And they don't know enough about their audience. And if you don't know enough about your audience, it ends up being a bit of a fishing expedition, mm-hmm. right? If all you know about your audience is kind of like name, titles, and email addresses, you show up and you talk a little bit about this, a little bit about that. You know, It's the old show up and throw up hoping something will stick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if I'm doing a coach with somebody and, and they don't know enough about their audience, I'm like, look, let's not, we don't even have to get out of the parking lot. We're good. We got to go back and really understand who's our listener. Uh, what are their concerns? Uh, what have they tried before? Uh, what are they really trying to accomplish? What obstacles are they, do they keep running into? Um, who are the vested stakeholders? Uh, and if we flush all that out, the, the more we understand our audience, the more on target our presentation is going to be. So step one, Steve, is we really push on reps to, to go through a complete diagnostic and we help them form that diagnostic, but a complete diagnostic of what's going on. The second step then is I believe every good presentation or every good sales presentation should have an objective. So if I'm coaching you, Steve, I'd say, Hey, I got your deck. What what, what's the goal? What what's your objective? And and oftentimes it's like, well, man, I don't know. And it's like, well, listen, if if you don't know what you want to accomplish, how in the world are you gonna know whether or not you're successful? So when we teach salespeople an objective, an objective is kind of a quid pro quo. An objective answers two questions. What do I, as the presenter, what do I want? In other words, what am I gonna ask you for at the end of my presentation? That's question one. Question two, Steve, then would be well, why in the world should Steve be interested in doing that for me? In other words, what's in it for him? So if I started a presentation, Steve, and I said, hey Steve, the reason I'm here today, uh, I want you to buy my software widget. Why? I believe it's gonna save you $13 million this year. Right away, I've set the tone that I'm, I am here, I make no bones about it, I think you ought to buy my software widget, and why should you be interested? Because I believe it's gonna save you $13 million. And because I've done my homework, I know that saving $13 million is kind of a big deal to you. And when we, when we launch that objective, Steve, it almost is um, antagonistic, right? If, if you're the listener and I show up in your office, I go, Steve, buy my software widget and we're gonna save you 13 million a year, you're probably gonna be like, what, what are you talking about, Willis? I don't, I don't think that's gonna the case. So I've kind of provoked you into listening to me. So that's, that's the second step, is making sure you've got a really, really good objective. The third step then is we ask salespeople to organize their entire presentation around three big ideas. And, and three is not a rule, it's a rule of thumb. Because if I showed up in your office, I go, Steve, I, I want you to buy my software widget. Why? I'm going to save you $13 million this year. And you know what, Steve? I got 21 things I want to share with you. You'd be like, whoa, brother, I don't have time for 20. But if I showed up and said, Steve, I want you to buy my software widget. Why? I think it's going to save you $13 million. That's what our proof says. And here's the really fascinating thing, Steve. I'm only going to talk about three things. Now you're like, whoa, what three things he's going to talk about? Plus, when we, when we really packetize our presentation to three things, it makes the presentation more transportable. So in other words, you I do the pitch to you, you leave your office, you bump into a colleague in the hall, colleague in the hall goes, well, what, you were meeting with Wackel, what was that all about? And you would say, well, Wackel wants us to buy his software widget. And your colleague would be like, why in the world would we buy a software widget? And you'd be able to say, well, he told us it's going to save us 13 million. And his, your colleague would say, well, what, what did he talk about? And you'd be able to say, well, he talked about the tools, uh, the technology, and the track record of this software widget. So it makes the presentation more memorable um, and makes it more marketable when I'm trying to push on the inside. So know your audience, uh, put together an objective, uh, figure out your three, three points. The fourth step, Steve, is when we, what we talk about, um, organizing all of your supporting evidence. So if you've got these three talking points and you print out every slide, you take each slide and you go, okay, this, this supports talking point one, uh, this supports talking point three, this supports talking point two. And if you've got a slide and it doesn't support one of those talking points, do you know what you do with that slide? You get rid of it. Yep. Everybody wants to put their deck on a diet. Look, uh, don't show me that stupid map of the U.S. with all those little red dots. I really don't care where your offices are at. That doesn't support your story. So get rid of it. So we want you to really organize your supporting evidence and we want your evidence to be, it's your evidence, it's your data. We want it to be sticky and memorable. We want it to be sexy or provocative. Um, If you show me um, a spreadsheet, I'm probably gonna pull you out of the room and say, hey, we gotta figure out a better way to communicate this. What's the point of the spreadsheet? So we really wanna make sure we, we organize all our supporting evidence the fifth step of the process then is now we want to develop a hook which is the very you know the first 60 minutes of or 60 minutes excuse me the first 60 seconds of the presentation see most people start with they they start with well, how am i going to how am i going to hook this how am i going to start it off i don't think you can figure out your your launch until you know your audience until you know your objective until you know your talking points until you've looked at all your supporting evidence. And then you can say, hey, this would be a really great way for me to engage my audience. This is the story I'm gonna tell. This is the statistic I'm gonna reveal. This is how I'm gonna hook them. And then the sixth and final step, Steve, is we teach salespeople how to ask for a commitment. Uh, the number one thing salespeople ask for at the end of a the, uh, the presentation. Well, let's see if you recognize this. Okay, that wraps up my presentation. Are there any questions? It's like, no, no, you need to be asking for a commitment. If I told you, Steve, at the very beginning, buy my software widget, I'm going to save you $13 million. I go through my tools, my technology, my track record. At the end of the presentation, I go, Steve, let's just summarize. At the very beginning, I told you I was going to ask you to buy my software widget. Why? I hope I've demonstrated to you that we can save you $13 million. Steve, all we've talked about today is my tools, my track record, and my technology. So my final question to you, Steve, is this what if anything is preventing you from taking the next step with me right now and then you zip it now one in a hundred times they're going to say yeah i'm ready to move forward but the beautiful way about the way that way that question is is worded steve is silence is not an option if i say steve what if anything is preventing you from taking the next step with me right now and if you don't say anything then i go oh steve sounds like you're ready to move forward And you're going to be like "Whoa, whoa slow down sparky no, I'm confused. This is too complicated. It looks too expensive. The timing is wrong. But at least I get back on that airplane and I know where I stand versus getting back on that airplane and going, well, you know, they had good coffee and they offered me a donut, but under that, I'm not really sure where I stand.
1: Right. Very powerful message. What, what do you think is the most important part of, of the presentation? What, what's well, the thing to nail?
0: Well, you know, I think um, I think you need to nail the opening. Uh, the concern, Steve, is that if you don't nail the opening, you, you probably have lost them. Um, I, I mean, if I'm in the audience and and you lose me right away, I don't sit there, Steve, and go, "Come on, Steve, man, pull me back in." You know, if you lose me, Steve, I'm thinking about dinner plans. I'm thinking about what am I going to do this weekend? Do I have time to go out and hit balls tonight? I'm gone so I think you know those first minute to two minutes you've got to really you got to come off strong and fast and you've got to you literally hook them into the presentation so and and when I coach salespeople, here's what happens this is kind of the interesting thing Steve is that we all focus so much on the middle and we never think about the opening or the close and so the opening we kind of like hi my name's Tim I'm president of the WACO group and I'd like to start my, you know, thanks so much for being here. Let me start my presentation. Not memorable, not hooky. And then, like I said, at the end, we go, gee, do you have any questions? And so those those are the two bookends that I think we should spend a lot more time worrying about. Because um, the content's good, but we got to make sure we bookend it.
1: So what, what do you think is the best strategy for hooking someone during the opening? If that's the most important part, is it with, is it with fear? Is it with a carrot? Is it with a stick? Is it with, is it with, uh, industry analysis? What, what do you recommend?
0: Perfect question. So we go back to step one of the six step process, know your audience, right? And if I've got an audience that I, I think is, um, is fun and lighthearted, guess what? I'm, I may start with a joke. Um, I, I sometimes uh, coach people to start with a story, right? If you were sitting in the audience, Steve, and somebody was pitching to you and they started their presentation like this, you know, I got, I got up this morning at the hotel and, and I'm driving uh, to this meeting with you, Steve, and, and the strangest thing happened to me. You're going to be going like, what? What strange thing happened? So using humor, telling a story, um, s- sharing some sort of uh, mind-blowing fact, using a quote from someone inside their uh, in, their organization. Or sometimes, Steve, I'll even do uh, on this date in history. So this we're recording this on March 20th. I did some homework for you, Steve. Do you realize on this date, uh, March 20th, back in 1760, the Great Fire of Boston destroyed 349 buildings. No and the kidding. reason I'm here today is I'm going to burn you down. <laughs> okay, that's probably not very good. Uh, <laughs> on this date in history, back in 1792, Steve, mm-hmm. In Paris, the Legislative Assembly approves the use of the guillotine. So mm-hmm. I'm here to ask for your business. I'm not here to kill you. I, I, you know, uh, and on this <laughs> date, 1976, Patty Hearst was convicted of armed robbery. So these are like fun, random facts that if you're in my audience and I, I throw something like that at you, in those first 30 seconds, you're going to be like, hey, this is, this is kind of different. This might actually be fun. So those, those are some of the ways we teach people to grab that attention.
1: You know what else happened on this day in history? Um, In, uh, I think it was uh, Pensacola, Florida, 1951, my mother was born. Really? Well, congratulations (laughs) and happy birthday, Mom. I know, right? I've got... (laughs) calling her is actually on my on my lunch plans here in about a half hour so well make sure you got a good hook okay brother I will I will (laughs) (laughs) so well I I think this is fantastic advice I mean I, I I always try to hook people in a presentation in right off the bat in the beginning by bringing up something that's really interesting about their industry or a trend a macro thing that's going on that is you know at least related or going into, um, going into, you know, my presentation, like the, like talking about something like, you know, businesses are, this is happening in this industry right now and it's affecting, it's affecting companies like yours like this. So I look, I look to resonate with, with the, with the customer. Uh huh. But, uh, but I, I, it's definitely, uh, I I like the idea of like the true intro intro with a, uh, by, you know, with a, a, an audience warming joke or a story or something just before you jump into, before you even jump into slide one. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. So what would you say the, uh, what's the best way to, once you've grabbed that attention what's the best way to transition in a way into the middle in a way that keeps that attention?
0: You know, I think if you continue to go back and hammer that objective. So once I've hooked you, Steve, and then I've made this bold claim, my bold claim is I believe I can save you 13 million. All you have to do is give me a purchase order. If I keep bringing it back to that bold claim, um, we are very focused on where we're trying to get to. Because again, if you really believed I could save you 13 million, you would have already given me that purchase order. So as long as I keep going back and and keep that as my focal point, um, you are going to be engaged because you're looking for holes in my argument, right? You're trying to, I'm trying to prove myself right and you're trying to prove me wrong. And so to me, that's what keeps you engaged is uh, you know I'm going to ask you and you want to be able to say no and you want to be able to say no with a specific reason.
1: So what are some tips or best practices that salespeople can leverage to create a more compelling presentation that keeps their listeners engaged and and gets them to believe that bold claim.
0: So I think, um, you know, staying on point, being brief, being concise, and and I think, you know, using fewer words and using more images, um, telling more stories, using less data, presenting more examples and case studies, and, and, you know, get away from the bits, bites and bandwidth and, and talk about real meaningful results. At the end of the day, Steve, I'd say talk less about you and talk more about them. Talk about what you know about. Hey, this is what we know about you guys. This is what we've heard. This is what we read on the website. And if you make it more about them and less about you, I, I mean, that's just kind of like social skills one on one that a lot of us need refreshers on
1: yeah and 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 for me the the key for doing that is listening to discuss to for, from before you even start presenting and during your presentation to get them talking about their problems, their pain, why is this important to them um, how much does this cost them trying to get to the the a deeper understanding and getting getting them to say yeah this this is cost this cost me you're you're right. This cost me thirteen million dollars a year, if I if I consider this 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 and this. Right, um, sure. And if the answer is your 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 thing or your the, your product or service will solve that problem, then yeah, you you that that proves out that thirteen million uh, bold claim that you that you're making at the beginning. So it's all exactly all about exactly. getting them getting them to talk and and, and kind of uh, be open and and think it through. And, and that I think that uh, you know, salespeople should should spend most of their time listening and less of their time talking.
0: You know, and, and and that that's a great point. And then in listening to you play that back, Steve, the other thing I really want your listeners to grasp is that when you put together this objective, it has to be specific. In other words, I, I hear reps. You know, they 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 hear objective, they work on it, and then they show up and they and this is what their objective sounds like. Hey, Steve, the reason I'm here today, I'm going to ask you to buy my software widget. Why? Because it's going to save you money. I'm like, no, nobody shows up and says, buy my widget. It's going to cost you money. You need to make a specific, bold claim, not a guarantee, not a promise, not a contract. But unless this is your first day on the job and, and unless you haven't done any homework, right, you should know ballpark what I believe this is going to be able to do for you. Um, so if I, if I show up and I go, hey, Steve, Steve, I want you to hire me to do sales training for your team because they'll get better. <laughs> you're going to be like, well, whoop-de-doo, right? They could all floss and get better. I got to be able to show up and say, hey, Steve, hire me to, sales your sales tra- hire me to train your sales team. And then the first 120 days, you're going to see, uh, I believe, an uptick in new business of 15%. And you're going to be like, okay. How, how are you, how, how are you going to do that? I, I don't think that's possible. Great. Let me share more. So the, the claim, the objective needs to be bold and specific.
1: I, I love it. Um, well, on, on that, on that how, what role does confidence play in giving great presentations? It's huge. It's huge. Um,
0: if it, what's the old saying, if you want to be convincing, you need to be convinced. And if you're not convinced, it's it's probably best just to put down the clicker and step away. So that's why I'm such a um, such an evangelist of really doing your homework. That step one, really understanding your client, because if you're not sure about what you're proposing, then then you shouldn't go past step one, which is you really got to analyze the client and the client situation. Now, are we going to get there all the time in every uh, scenario? No. But when I work with reps, when I work with executives, I want you to know in your heart of hearts that when you say, "Look, I want you to do this," and this is why you ought to do it, that you have a high degree of confidence. Because without that, Steve, then it's 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 wishy washy claims.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I I also see room for a sales skill here. You know, it's one thing to to be confident in your product and know everything about it. I think that's that's table stakes. But also, one thing I see with salespeople. Uh, sometimes is that they, even though they're confident in their product and confident in their knowledge about that product, they just don't come across as credible as they could because of the the body language they use, the tone they use, their, their voice skills. What, what do you have any tips for salespeople to develop those types of, uh, skills? I do. Um,
0: you probably have it in your back pocket. So back in the day, I'm dating myself back in the day when you wanted to videotape a presentation you carried a vcr camera which was the size of a small child right <laughs> today there's no excuse you can either videotape a presentation or if that's awkward just audio record it and watch yourself and listen to yourself when we when we do these presentation boot camps that's probably one of the most powerful things we do steve is we we tape you and then we play it back and and i i may tell you steve you know, you're not making eye contact, Steve, your voice keeps trailing off. Steve, your slides are too big. I-, I could tell you that all day long. But if I just let you watch yourself presenting and I go, Steve, what do you think? You're going to go, man, I'm not making eye contact. Boy, my voice keeps trailing off. My slides look way too busy. Uh, I keep rocking back and forth. So oftentimes, uh, we are our biggest critic. And and the thing is, we're not we're, we're not taking advantage of technology to be our own critic. Because we don't look how we think we look. And we don't sound how we think we sound. You know, when it comes to prospecting, I ask ask reps all the time in a prospecting workshop, have you ever listened to one of your voicemail messages? And they're like, yeah. I go, would you ever call yourself back? They're like, no. And it's like, well, if you wouldn't call yourself back, why would a customer call you back? So it's it's easy stuff to work on. And for people that really want to rock it, you know, something as simple, Steve, is going to the local community college and hooking up with somebody in the drama department. You could could hire a professor in the drama department who won't know diddly about your software, and that's a blessing, but they will know diddly about your voice, about your body language, about your eye contact, about your movements in front of a group. And and, you know, 50, 75 bucks an hour, you spend two or three hours with this person and you will significantly impact your game.
1: Yeah, and I, I would take that as an action item for any sales manager who hasn't videoed everyone on their team, giving the pitch giving the presentation I I think that that's a really valuable activity to just you know have have someone on the team um, just sit sit down get it all set up so they can come in and pitch to you and video the whole thing and then play back the video and, and talk about it you know and just talk about it discuss it there's yeah. different learnings for every rep that will come up but um, you yeah, I, I think it's a really valuable and powerful uh, tool for 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 the people on your team that give presentations to, to actually just take the time to sit down and coach them on this.
0: And I and I'll do I'll do a forecast right now for all your sales managers listening that are going to do this. Here's what you're going to see. Um, the first slide of the deck is going to be that stupid slide that has your company name, your logo. It's going to have today's the date and it's going to be company confidential. Get rid of that. That is not a slide, okay? You're also going to see your reps not make eye contact. You're also going to see your reps talk too much about them, not enough about themselves. And you're going to see that stupid slide at the end of the presentation that says, any questions? Thank you. So that's, that's my forecast. If you just work on those few things, you're going to move the bar.
1: Um, so let's talk about how a salesperson can win the approval of their prospect. What What's the, Talk about the secrets to getting buy-in at the end of the presentation.
0: So, uh, so that, uh, that to me, Steve boils down to what is that closing question going to be? Like, I want my first 30 seconds to be rock solid with, Hey, on this date in history, or I want to tell a funny story. I I think the last 30 seconds have got to be absolutely memorable. And again, uh, my close is always the same. My close goes back and revisits the objective. Hey, Steve. Um, We're going to wrap up the presentation. Let's revisit the objective. I told you the reason I was here today was I wanted you to buy my software widget. Why? I think I've demonstrated to you we can save you $13 Then you go back and you highlight your three talking points. And Steve, all we talked about today was tools and technology and track record. So Steve, in concluding today, I have just one final question I'm going to ask you. What, if anything, is preventing you from taking the next step with me right now? That to me puts it all, puts it all in one neat package. It bookends a presentation. And, uh, I think you get your highest chance of success of getting a yes at that point in time.
1: I love it. Such, such a powerful skill that every, every salesperson needs. Um, well, I'd I'd love to jump into a short question, short answer session. I call it sales in 60 seconds. Um, First question, what is the top presentation mistake salespeople have the most trouble overcoming?
0: Um, I would tell you it's rehearsing. I think what most salespeople do is they put together this deck and they go through the slides and in their mind, it's like, okay, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, but they never physically rehearse it. And you know that voice inside your head, Steve, is always spot on. It's funny, it's compelling, it's relevant, it's interesting. But when you actually stand up and have to move around and articulate, um, it's a different voice inside of you. So I think probably the biggest and simplest mistake, you got to rehearse. You actually physically have to rehearse your presentations.
1: So true. Do you have any tools that you would recommend to improve the visual impact of a presentation?
0: So visual impact, I would tell you – darker backgrounds versus lighter backgrounds. I would tell you, use bold colors. I mean, a lot of a lot of you are trapped because you've got some sort of corporate template, I get that, but if you have any flexibility, bold colors, um, darker colors, um, more pictures, less text, right? If I'm pitching you to come to Hawaii, I could have the words beach, surf, and sunset on a slide. That would be a very easy slide. But if I had a picture of the beach, a picture of the surf, a picture of the sunset, I have more communication bandwidth. Um, and I would also tell you when it comes to the visual impact, I've got something I call my six by six rule of thumb. Again, not a rule, but a rule of thumb. If I look at a visual, if I look at one of your slides and it has more than six words across and more than six lines down, you need to get rid of it. You need to break that up. And, and again, you know, some people can pull that off, but the number one reason, Steve, reps are always turning and looking at their presentation is because they have war and peace right? It's, they're not using it as PowerPoint. They're using it as power paragraph. That's not what the tool was designed for. You just want bullet points, little trigger ideas that are going to allow you to elaborate versus, Hey, let me just show up and, and read this to you. I mean, years ago, Steve, um, I discovered that if I can, if I can take your deck, Steve, and if I can read it myself, then you don't need to show up. Why don't you just PDF this and email this to me? people want copies of my decks all the time and I'll send it to them and they'll call me and they'll go, I can't follow this. And it's like, that's right. Cause that's my visual aid. I'm the presentation. I'm the story. I'm the voice. This mm-hmm. is just, these are just pretty pictures to kind of help you follow along. So that that's how I would encourage people from a visual standpoint.
1: Well, and doing it that way can make it more conversational, give you the opportunity to listen. I, I don't think that, and this is a, a mistake a lot of people make, I don't think your leave behind deck that you, that you give a, a, a prospect after you're done talking to them, I think they can kind of socialize around their organization, that they might sit down with their manager and walk through. That needs to have the paragraphs. That needs to be very specific. But when you're presenting to them, it doesn't have to be that way because you're there, right? You are so spot on because uh, reps are like, what? I got yeah, to have two
0: decks? One that's like a presentation deck and one's a leave behind deck. That's, that's a lot of work. And it's like, well, if you're unwilling to do the work uh, you're the bottom 80% that makes the top 20% possible. So you're exactly right, Steve. You, you need to have two decks, one that's a leave behind that has all the information and then a cropped slimmer version of that, that you're going to use as your visual aid. You're, yeah. That's, that's perfect wisdom.
1: Well, and I think a key takeaway here is a, a, a like sales leadership the marketing team, their job is to enable the sales team with with these resources. I, I see all the time where every salesperson in a company has a different deck and a different way they're doing it. You've got to build that consistency and you've got to figure out, okay, this is what's working best across the board, so this is the leave behind deck for everybody. This is the, this is the deck that we give to everybody. And sure, you can add a slide, take away a slide, to, you know, to customize it, because you know what this customer's individual unique situation is. But in, like in general, I, I don't like it when companies, you know, try to make their sales reps make a new deck every time for every for every single thing. It's like we're we're always selling the same thing. Like let's 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 as a company make the best deck, the best leave behind materials, the best air cover materials, um, and, and let's enable the sales team with those. Exactly. Spot on. Um, it, what do you think about the ideal length? for a sales presentation. How long should a presentation be?
0: Um, as short as possible. Uh, I, again, I would default and say, Steve, that uh, in knowing your customer, you have to ask them, hey, you know, you've asked me to come in here and make this presentation. We've kind of done our research. What, what do you think is a fair amount of time? And if your customer says, I'm gonna give you 30 minutes, I think you have to respect the 30 minutes. If they say 15, I think you have to respect the 15. Um, if you're really good at doing what you're doing, Steve, here's what ought to happen, though. When you're done and you get ready to sit down, if you're really good, you're done, you're ready to sit down, your customer should say, whoa, 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 wait, don't sit down just yet. I want to hear more. I want to ask you some questions, right? More often than not, we get done and we sit down. And what is our customer thinking? Oh, thank God. It's finally over. And so uh, if, if if they say, hey, listen, I can invest 30, respect the 30, and and just do such an outstanding job that at the end of thirty they 're like "Wow let 's go another fifteen or twenty because this is pretty good dog food
1: mm-hmm. well and, and I think a key a key to keeping a presentation the right length is to not dive too deep into your features, not dive into know if you're giving a product demo or a or kind of having a sales presentation. A sales presentation needs to speak to the value that the company is going to get. From the implementation of your product or service it doesn't need to go into every detail speed and feed about your product doesn't need to go into the here are the features it should be here are the things that you're gonna get from this that's right and and then once that hooks them then you can go into more of a deeper dive of and here's what that looks like but it's almost a different conversation
0: yeah I think you know you got to win their hearts first and then you win their minds uh, I win your heart by you saying, yeah, that's something I'd really like to have. Now tell me how you do it. And too often we lead with, well, here's how we do it. And it's like, well, I don't get the end game. So win their hearts and then win their minds. I have to write that down. That's pretty good. Steve just stuck on <laughs> <laughs> Real-time
1: I've been, learning. <laughs> I, I've been jotting down a few, uh, few notes from this one too. This is, this is great. Um, what, what's, what's one key lesson that you've learned over your career? Uh, from training and and giving all these sales presentations
0: Uh, you know uh, we're not as good as we think we are and there's always room for improvement Um, and as much as we want to blame our products our 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 territory our competition our marketing department our our contract department our sales manager our spouse the pollen politics we all want to blame something else. And trust you me, all those things can influence your success. But the one thing I've learned over the years, Steve, is the people that are consistently at the top of the class are the people that control their destiny by just working on themselves. Don't worry about anything else. Draw a circle around you. Work on everything inside your circle. If you're if if you if you being the best you can be, I'll take you into battle every day. But if you're going to whine about, features, if you're going to whine about competition, if you're going to whine about your territory, are you going to whine about the competition? I, you know, I can't help you. All we can do is make you the best you can be, and um, none of us are there, and none of us will ever be there. You, I mean, I've been doing this for over three decades, brother. This is my office. I'm not doing this from my yacht. Okay, so I'm still struggling to figure all this stuff out.
1: I, uh, so It's, it's such, uh, such great advice, such uh, what, 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 do you think, um, what, what do you think a salesperson should do when they experience a setback?
0: Um, get used to it. Because, you know, you're, you're going to get sales setbacks. Uh, reps that come to me and say, you know, I got an 80% closure rate. I'm like, you know what? You're not competing enough, son. You need to be knocking on more doors. You need to be making more dials. You need to be going to more events um, because there's 7 billion people out there. And if you're not getting rejected, um, you're not trying hard enough. And, and not that I want you to get rejected, but, you know, you, you got you to gotta keep pushing forward. And um, don't take rejection personally. And that's hard. Trust you me. They're, just, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your ideas. They're rejecting your approach. Maybe they're rejecting your timing. But live to fight another day. Um, and, and be smart about it. Have a process. Have a plan. Sell on purpose. That's really what I, I teach people to do. I want you to sell on purpose. Don't sell accidentally. Have a plan. Execute against the plan. Take your yeses and be thankful for noes because yeses and noes, you can be incredibly, incredibly successful. It's the maybes. The maybes are when your children start getting skinny and we want to get rid of the maybes.
1: Uh, and, and talk a little, a little more about that. How, how, can you, how can you turn more maybes into yeses or noes? Because everyone uh, my, knows you can, you can, you can starve with, uh, with a pipeline full of maybes.
0: My, my secret to get dealing with maybes is you take the candy away. If you can't get a yes, go for a no. So if, if, you, if you start ghosting me, Steve, I'll fire you. I'll fire you as a prospect. I don't tuck my tail and run. I'll call and leave you a voicemail and say, hey, Steve, Man, I'm, you know, we put together this proposal. I really thought it made a great deal of sense for us to work together. But I've been trying for the last three weeks to connect with you, and you're not returning any of my emails, responding to any of my voicemails. And so I'm calling today for two reasons. Number one, I want to apologize for having wasted your time. I really thought this made a lot of sense. I thought you did too, but obviously it doesn't. So I want to apologize for having wasted your time. And number two, Steve, I, I want to let you know you'll never hear from me ever again. And I wish you nothing but the best. Now, that takes Hutzpa to do it. But you know what happens after you leave that voicemail? They call you back because they're like, whoa, 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 slow down, Sparky. What do you mean? And I'm like, well, brother, you've been dark for, for the last 30 days. And it's like, well, because here's what happens, Steve. Stuff happens inside their organization. Somebody gets sick. Somebody gets fired. Um, a, a, a project gets run behind. And nobody says to themselves, let's call the sales guy and bring them up to speed. So it's right. only when you, when you threaten to take the candy away, when you threaten to fire them, they're like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Uh, we probably should have picked up the phone and told you this, but quite frankly, we have been busy. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's just, let's work professionally with each other though. I'll be in touch with you and I want you to be in touch with me. So that would be my tip is learn how to go for no.
1: Fantastic tip. Uh, as As a final takeaway, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step to start improving their sales presentations?
0: Get a process kids. You know, if you want to learn about my process, I'm more than happy to teach. But go out to Amazon, uh, uh, do a search on sales presentations, and figure out a process. Get away from the haphazard, random collection of slides. And, and I think the word you used earlier, Steve, was narrative. What, what is your narrative? Before, if you can't tell me what your narrative is, you don't need to start making slides. You ought to be able to just be able to communicate to me and say, Tim, the reason I'm talking to you today is this is what I want. This is why you ought to do it. This is what I'm going to focus on, and this is what our next steps ought to be. And if you can articulate that, we'll be fine.
1: Fantastic advice. Well, I'm going to try to summarize what we've talked about today. <laughs> Good luck. A of yeah, there's a lot, lot to cover here. Um, so first of all, uh, Tim has six steps to giving an effective presentation. Number one, know your audience. Who are your listeners? What are they looking for? The more you understand your audience, the better targeted your presentation will be. Number two, every salesperson, or every sales presentation that a salesperson gives should have an objective. What do I want as the presenter? What is in it for the person you're presenting to? Make a specific bold claim that will catch their attention. Not, I'm gonna save you money, not, I'm gonna, you're gonna make more money because of this, but I'm gonna save you $13 million, or I'm going to give you an ability to make $13 million more. So it's gotta be a bold claim and it's gotta be specific. Three, organize your presentation around the top three things that you wanna talk about. Uh, It makes the presentation more memorable and easy to pass along to other people within the company. Um, Number four, Organize all of your supporting evidence Um, Make sure in your presentation that it's not haphazard only include the information and slides that support these three points You want to develop a hook? To do this you have to understand the audience and the main points before you before you start talking number six understand how to ask for a commitment don't just ask if your audience has questions, ask "What is what, if anything, is holding you back from buying my product or solution right now? The opening is the most important part of the presentation. Don't lose your audience's attention, hook them in right in the beginning quickly. When establishing your hook, look to your audience and, uh, and depending on that audience, you can use humor, you can tell a story, you can have a mind-blowing fact, um, Tim gave a cool tip uh, on the, to talk about on this day in history, just because it's so, um, it, it's so it, it makes the presentation so uniquely tailored to them, and it's, and it's interesting. Tim's top presentation tips are to stay on point, to be brief, be concise, use more pictures, and don't just focus on data. Your presentation deck doesn't need to have all the information, just the main points. A leave behind deck or the, you know, the PDF that you hand them or that you email them later, um, that can include all the detailed information, but your, your deck shouldn't, shouldn't read like a, a bunch of paragraphs. I'm gonna talk less about you and talk more about the prospect. When it comes to presentation length, the shorter the better, leave them wanting to ask for more information. Confidence is huge when it comes to giving a great presentation. Take the time to really know your audience and their background, know your product, how it works, be an expert in the space so that you have the confidence to present, um, to present really well. A great thing to do for everyone is to practice videotaping Uh, your team, or if you're an individual rep and no one's going to do this for you, just, you know, have a friend videotape you giving you, giving your pitch and then you can watch it and think about what can be improved. This is truly, you know, presentations are truly a part of the craft that it's a skill. It's an ability. I mean, you, there's a lot of things in sales where you, you couldn't take a class on it and get better at it. But this, this is an area where it's truly, it's, it's a, it's a skill. It's like shooting free throws Yeah, with practice. You get better. Um, great tip from Tim. When, when it comes to the maybes, don't be afraid to, you know, have that breakup email or breakup voicemail. He recommended where you kind of, where you, um, with confidence threaten to, to fire the prospect. Um, you know, you, you it, a, a whole pipeline full of maybes can kill you. Yeah. If a prospect starts ghosting you, don't be afraid to let them know that you'll, that you'll move on. Learn, learn how to go for the no. That was a lot, Tim. Um, <laughs> you're, you're an excellent note taker, dude. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why they pay me the big bucks around here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> start doing outbound this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's uh well, once upon a time I was, I was in sales. Um, well, uh, so, Tim, this has been fantastic. Where, where can our listeners read more about your work? How do they reach out to you? What's the best way to get in touch?
0: So a lot of different options. You know, the website, uh, there's, there's only one like it, uh, timwackle.com, So it's T-I-M-W-A-C-K-E-L, timwackle.com Or uh, uh, hook, me, hook me up, connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I publish videos out there two or three times a week or just pick up the dog on phone and let's actually have an old style conversation. Uh, direct dial right here in Dallas, two one four three six nine seventy seven twenty two.
1: 369 Love it. And we'll put all that in the, uh, in the meeting notes because or in the, in the podcast notes for the, this episode, because a lot of people are driving while they are looking while they listen to this. So don't write and drive. And 10 and two brother, <laughs> 10 and two. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, thanks for coming, Tim. This has been a fantastic episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If you can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning how to present better, share this, uh, share this podcast with them and, uh, and share the love. Take care until next time, everybody.